He's Howard Eibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with over 26 years of experience. Together, we're the Brief Brothers. We love to talk about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. We're back, Henry, with another episode. And today, I thought it would be kind of a fun and important thing to go back and do some nuts and bolts. We love to talk about the creative brief, but we haven't done that in a little bit. So the topic I want to address today is something that I hear about a lot in my training, and because most of the time the people who attend my trainings, my workshops, are marketers or account folks, and even creatives. Not many folks like you who are strategists and account planners. So I know you've got some thoughts on this. It's the whole idea of how do you identify who your target audience is. And when I have people who are taking my training who work in financial institutions, who work for insurance companies, these industries in particular, but they're not alone. They often have a hard time really understanding how to narrow down their audience. How do you really define laser focused who the target audience is and then commit that to a creative brief? I've come across many examples of how really smart brief writers do this. And it's difficult to get that point across when you're, when you're talking about so many other things in my training. I thought it'd be kind of a good idea to talk about today. So I have a couple of examples and I have a couple of scenarios and anecdotes that I think illustrate this point. One is an example I encountered in a, in a, a live training that I did before the pandemic for one of my uh, ANA members, I can't name who it is, but it's a, uh, a military uh, industrial manufacturer that we would all know. And they were doing a campaign for a very expensive fighter jet, uh, you, know, a top, a, you know, a top gun kind of a fighter jet. The creative director pulled me aside and said, we just got this brief. The problem he was facing was that part of the audience, there had two audiences, he had two target audiences. One was the 22 year old fighter jockey who's gonna get behind the controls and fly this thing. The other was the 55 year old general. He wasn't writing the check, but he was approving the purchase and they were putting the request before Congress. And they wanted one advertising campaign to both these audiences. And I said, you can't, you can't do that. Not unless you were gonna expect some kind of vanilla message. And then the example that I used to explain why it's possible as a brief writer to avoid this kind of mess was a brilliant brief that you and I've talked about before. It's in my book. It was written by a brief writer for Leo Burnett many years ago for a product we all know and love called Vicks NyQuil. So the question you ask is, well, who doesn't get a cold? Everybody on the planet gets a cold at some point, more than once in your lifetime. So the brief writer could easily have copped out and said, you know, everybody gets a cold. Our target audience is everybody from three to 93, maybe even wider than that. But this brief writer didn't do that. This brief writer actually dug deep and thought, if I wanna to talk to everybody, because everybody does in fact get a cold, I need to talk to one person. And I need to give you an example of what happens when that person gets a cold. It's a three paragraph description and I'm not gonna read the whole three paragraphs. I'll just read a few sentences, but you're gonna see how brilliant this description is and the lessons that brief writers can learn 
from, from, listen, from reading this. He starts, or I don't even know, it could have been a woman. I don't know who wrote the brief, but it starts, cold sufferers. You know how you feel when you've got a cold, that pathetic little inner child of yours suddenly wakes up and before you know it, you're moaning and whining. You've gone all whiny, wimpy, all snivel, snot and slovenly, red, raw, puffy eyes, pale skin, lank hair. Everything seems to be sagging. You feel like something from a Salvador Dali painting. He goes on and on and on in this tongue-in-cheek tone. And by the time you get done reading it, you realize, I know exactly who he's talking about. He's probably talking about me. I mean, guys turn into babies when we get a cold, right? My but wife would is, agree. Yeah. But the point is that this brief writer didn't cop out. It isn't everybody gets a cold. It's everybody does get a cold. And this is what the cold sufferer looks like. This is creative. So... I'm on my soapbox, Henry, I know it. I think you've got something to say about this too. The point is, it's easy to, to cop out and get lazy. Brief writers can't afford to do that because creatives really wanna have that kind of picture and it's doable. What do you think? Um, I, I think you're 100% right. I think you're bringing, the, the, the two examples are two sides of the same coin. One is not having enough focus and wanting to have two targets. Um, so let's talk about that first and yeah. using the example that you gave an aerospace contractor. Um, so to me, the basic error and thinking about it is the error happened before the creative brief stage. This is a brand planning assignment to figure out, okay, we have two stakeholder groups and they're both important. The pilots that are going to fly this thing and the generals who are going to give it the go-ahead um, and pull the trigger, uh, pardon the pun, on, on buying it. And so there has to be some brand planning work about like what the benefits of this thing are universally and, and that. And then when you get down to the actual advertising, there should probably be two briefs. Um, one that focuses on that specific target audience of the pilots and what they're looking for and what they you know what what their needs are when they strapping themselves into the plane versus what the general's needs which are a completely different set of needs right like one might be survival it might be um uh, uh, adrenaline it might be whatever that is for the pilot for the general it's about you know, making sure there's no blowback, that that there's this is the right thing. So they're very different mindsets, and you can't really have one communication that solves for, for both of those. So I, I would say to that creative director, you know, there needs to be somebody responsible for this assignment who does a bit of brand planning legwork ahead of time and then gives you two separate briefs for the same product, but for two different audiences. Um, the second example is the one that you gave like financial institutions. Well, everybody's our, our target. And you said the key word, it's laziness. Um, because if you scratch beneath the surface on any of these things, you find out that it isn't everybody, right? Like the example you gave with VIX is that you know, everybody gets a cold, but not everybody is in the market for a cold medicine or wants to needs to buy a cold. So 
when you're in the market for a cold medicine, that immediately narrows the universe that you're talking to from everybody to a very specific. And in this particular case, the description that you read does a great job of describing the mindset, the empathizing with that target and what they're feeling and how much it sucks. And, and that's what the creatives need in order to be able to deliver good creative to the brief. If you just say everybody, well, that's not helpful. It's to remind them. And sure, the creatives are part of everybody and they've had a cold, but they're not having a cold the moment that you give them the brief. So you want to remind them of like, oh yeah, that sucks. Like I can remember the last time I had a bad cold. And, and, and so, um, you know, the insurance, you and I talked a little bit right before. and It's easy to say, well, anybody can buy insurance 18 to 54 or 18 to 64 or 18 plus. But the truth is not everybody needs insurance, life insurance, and not everybody uh, wants it, right? If you're 18 years old, you more than likely don't need life insurance. And why? Life insurance, it sounds like a good thing. Well, because life insurance is intended to protect people that depend on you if you're no longer there. And if you're 18 years old, living in your mom's basement, going to community college, nobody depends on you. You're, you're a burden on other people. You're, nobody's depending on you. So the, again, you start drilling down into mindset. Well, who's life insurance for? It's for people that have people that depend on them. And so what does that mean? What keeps them up at night? Um, what's the fear that the, the kid isn't going to be able to go to college if I die and I don't leave anything behind to make sure that these people, it's going to be a lot harder on them at, to, because they don't have my income. I'm not there. So you start exploring, you start digging. That's where you do the research and you start using your common sense and your experience um, to bring these things about. You know, banking is another one where you could say, well, it's a bank message. It's an institutional message for everyone. But the truth is not everybody's in the market for a bank, right? Like most people, first of all, not everybody's banked. Um, and secondly, not everybody's looking to, 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 there's a lot of inertia. There's a lot of hassle to changing banks, right? So usually there's something happens in your life that causes you to be in the market for a bank. And that's normally some sort of life stage change. So I had a credit union in Florida. Now I moved to California and they're not there. There's no branches. There's no ATM. I need to get a local bank. That's a life stage moment that you can describe and articulate in a brief. Um, they messed up in a bad way and now I'm angry and it's, I'm angry enough to overcome the inertia of continuing to work with this bank, right? And I, I, the last time I changed banks was in 1998 and it was precisely for that reason. They, they screwed up in a big way that made me look bad, wasted my time. And so I, I said, I'm gone. And I went to a bank that gave me better customer service. And I've been, you know, I recommend the bank to people, I, they've always, been there i mean it's not you know i don't think about it the way i when i buy a new car and i'm ecstatic about it they do their job and that's good enough for a bank but capturing that mindset in a brief is important and giving examples like that is is important so i do think that if you scratch a little bit below the surface you'll see that there's a lot of texture to any group of people that we're trying to sell something to
Yeah, I love your choice of the word empathy. I think that's key. If you're not able to display or conjure up that empathy, you can't do what you like to describe as create this kind of costume that the creatives can then put on because you've described in detail who this customer is so well that they can put this costume on that you've created with words and see the world through the, that customer's eyes. I think that's critical. Plus, so I think like, if you go back to your example with the aerospace thing, right? It's so textured and layered. Like if we're, if I'm talking about a pilot, like, you know, now it's in the pop culture with Top Gun Maverick and all that. Like imagine the creative brief with pictures from the movie and, and mm -hmm. saying like, this is what they, and assuming that you do the research and it backs up and there's things in pop culture that you can grab and put in there. The same with the general, right? Like you can grab, go to C-SPAN and, find like these generals testifying before the subcommittee on the defense whatever and and you could say look he's got to answer these types of questions this is what he's worried about this is um you know what he's responsible for and so it's a way of bringing it to life but you can't do that unless you get there and really decide that it's worth exploring yeah and the, the other thing to remember i think from a teaching point of view is that you're not doing this every single time you write a brief. If you know who that cold sufferer is and you write your next brief for Vicks NyQuil, you've already got a pretty good description. And what I love about that description of the cold sufferer is not it's not a persona. We've talked about this before that sometimes personas end up being simply a compilation of tidbits that don't add up to anything. This description of the cold sufferer is a story. It's a little biography. So if you... If you, uh, marketers don't have the time that a, necessarily the planner has, that the strategist has, they've got, they're juggling multiple tasks. So the thought of having to write a brief, doing this amount of work and that amount of research may be intimidating. But remember, if you do it well, you don't need to do it over and over and over again. Get that target audience described very well. You can carry that description for multiple briefs. And what we always say, you know, you work at the bank. When was the last time you walked out onto the platform of the bank to talk to a consumer yeah. and say, hey, why did you choose this bank? When was the last time you changed banks? What what made you change banks? Um, you know, what are you looking for in a bank? Like that's free research right there with your existing customers. Like get out there and and and, you know, don't just assume, well, it's everybody. That's a cop out. Yeah, I agree. So don't be lazy. The work. The work is maybe a little more than you're accustomed to, but the information is there for you and you'll produce better creative. It'll be worth your while. Absolutely. Good stuff, Henry. Good stuff, Howard. He's Henry Gomez. And he's Howard Eibach. And together, we're the Brief Brothers. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.